This program is sponsored by Care Portal. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello. Thank you so much for turning in, tuning into Counterculture. We're excited to have you uh, listening to our little program here. You know what? We are on our 10th episode. I can't believe I've made it this far. I'm just, uh, you know, normally it's like I thought I'd be run out of gas, but I'm more excited than ever. So at, at the 10th episode, why counterculture? So I just thought I'd introduce the topic a little bit. Counterculture is what I believe is the way of Jesus. And following Jesus will ultimately never have us fully comfortable in any culture. We're going to be at odds in some way. We're going to be the best parts of our culture. In other ways, we're already going to be at odds. I've had the opportunity to travel around the world and been and lived in different countries and seen churches in many different places and uh, opportunities. And, and it, the church always should stand out. And so if we ever get too comfortable, maybe we aren't following Jesus the way we should. But the following Jesus is counterculture. So, And especially we want to focus on the people, the positive aspects of counterculture, ways that we can be, bring people together. The way the, Jesus was the prince of peace, and right these days in our divided world, peacemaking is a revolutionary act and puts us at odds with, a very, with our culture that tends to fight and to divide. And so in that spirit, I've asked Josiah and Andrea Friedman to join us today from Voices from the Voices, and good afternoon. Jonathan, thanks for having us. We're so, we're so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is exciting to have, have them. Josiah is the CEO and founder of Voices for the Voiceless. It's a movement to create a, a world where no one faces unplanned pregnancy alone. He's an accomplished public speaker and leader in the life movement for the last 10 years. And uh, Josiah has presented on, on abortion and unplanned pregnancy to thousands at universities and high schools and, the auth- and is the author of the first pro-life TED Talk, which is actually what I, w- I watched on YouTube. And I go, dude, this guy, I, I want to know this guy. And then sure enough, we're working together. I, we're at, we work in the same building. And I go, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> oh, that's the TED Talk guy. He's a big deal. So I got to talk to him. So then I also got to meet Andrea and his, his lovely wife, and uh, Andrea is the marketing director at Voices for the Voiceless, and she's emerged as one of the leading female voices and strategists on the life issue in America. She's the editor-in-chief of She Might, a di- digital magazine to empower women who face the unexpected uh, – who face the unexpected, I assume, of uh, pregnancies. Yes, unplanned pregnancy. That's lunching this fall, right? It's a mouthful. Not the other unexpected anything, like a tsunami or something like that. Specifically unplanned pregnancy, yes. Yeah, okay. Like a midget walks in and that's unexpected. (laughs) But that's not what this she might is about. It is not about everything. No, it's not. Okay, gotcha. It is specifically about unplanned pregnancy. (laughs) Okay, great. I'm glad that's clear. Good. That clears that up. Okay. (laughs) So I learn something every day. Uh, So now we in the world of fake news, we play a game called fake news. So I'm going to ask you something that's true. I want you to say something that's true about you guys and something that's not true. And then I'm going to try to guess which one is fake. Are you ready for this? Can you – it's sort of like – Two truths and a lie. Can I, I'm not. That's copyrighted, so I'm not going to use that. 
Ready as we'll ever be. <laughs> okay, you're ready. <laughs> That's the okay, we so were, yeah. so say something. Don't put them in any order. Don't you got to mix it up? And I'm going to try to guess which one is fake. Okay. Okay, we'll see. We'll see if this is if this is cheating. You can verify. Okay. Here's, here's what we came up with um, in our most recent pre-COVID vacation. Okay. Andrea and I, who are competitive, and that's not something you have to guess about. That just is the truth. <laughs> we, uh, Ruthless. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We, we went to play mini golf, which was supposed to be um, relaxing mm-hmm. and fun. That's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. So you got to pick which of these is true. The first thing is that I won the game of mini golf okay. convincingly. The second is that she won the game of mini golf convincingly. <sighs> Ooh, I see. You're playing. You're blowing my mind, right? You're totally playing a mind game with me. You've taken this game in a whole different direction, and I'm afraid whatever I'm going to do is be divisive. It's okay. Our marriage is stronger than a game of mini golf. Okay. We've gone through harder things. But I'm on like on a five episode <laughs> winning streak on fake news. This is about me right now, right? No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. So I'm going to say, Andre, you won the game of mini golf, and that's true. And so therefore, Josiah, fake news. You nailed it. Oh, nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Six, baby. I don't even like mini golf. So <laughs> when she a, says stuff like that, it surprise. pains me even more. So yeah. she does. Not it didn't even, even matter. Just a trifle. Yeah. A little trifle. A trifle, yeah. <laughs> Barely even paying attention. Well, it That's felt right. good, though. Good. It felt good. <laughs> so, okay. All right. We're here. Voices for the Voiceless. Before we get into your ministry, tell me about why this is important to you personally. Before you get into the, the why, the start of ministry and all the, the world out there, but to you personally. Mm. Um, that is such a good question. I would say that, as is often the case with so many people, uh, it kind of happened in college. I was attending Arizona State University, and I had really big business goals. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted a career. And I uh, surrounded myself with like-minded women and men who really felt the same way. But what was interesting was um, during my senior year, I just noticed there was such a difference in attitude towards your first job um, between my male classmates and my female classmates. My male classmates really felt like, you know, it's my first job. Like, I'm just going to ease into it and like, I'll work my way up. Um, but what I noticed with my female classmates is there was this interesting like time pressure. Um, you know, we all talked about wanting to have a career, but in the back of our heads, there was this fear of kids. Mm -hmm. You know, the fear that someday Mm. we might get pregnant and our bodies would, quote unquote, betray us and our Uh, dreams. And so we were just rushing around. I mean, like every job fair, every interview we could get our hands on because we felt like our window was five years, Mm. not 25 years. 25 years. Um, And so that was kind of the moment where I realized, um, wow, Women like me who are ambitious, uh, they right now the way we see things, unfortunately, in our culture is that a woman's future and her child's future are mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe, and I've come to realize through meeting just incredible uh, women, uh, that it does take sacrifice. That's inevitable. Motherhood, parenthood, mm-hmm. we all sure. know that. Um, but that actually, those things can exist in the same world. And that is what I'm passionate about sharing with uh, women like me. Mm, That's fantastic. So you together, you started 
Voices for the Voiceless. That or is that sort of sort of, but not really. <laughs> not really. We did not expect that we were really going to be working together. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in this capacity, um, for a lot of reasons, but that's not necessarily ha- how it started. So before that experience that Andrea had in college, um, I had different experiences in my life. So there was a time. I first got involved in the pro-life movement uh, as m- more of a political activist in my community. I was young. I was leading sort of this large community movement. I was like 16 years old. And uh, this thing happened. You got it all figured out. Uh, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Every yes. Everything was uh-huh. figured out. I was a firebrand. And one of the first things I did is I took uh, sort of this community on a tour of a nearby pregnancy center. And, uh, and my mom uh, came with me. My mom had always been somebody who was – uh, a little bit um, – she wasn't sure about what I was doing or really how I was spending my time in this movement. I never knew why. I never really asked. Um, but I knew that. We went on the tour uh, of, of a nearby clinic and when I wasn't looking, she ducked into a nearby room and she lost it. She began to cry. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't know this. And a worker came into the room and asked her what was wrong and she said these words. My son doesn't know and I will never – tell him. And for three years, I, 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 that passion in me grew, the passion for mm. the dignity of every human person that caused me to be the firebrand that I was. And I became a political leader, and I, I, was, I was really trying to sort of usher in this next movement that could uh, crack the code in the political sphere. Um, and three years in, my mom sat me down on the couch, and she told me that story. About a time when she was growing up in a small town where everybody knew everybody else. She had a father who had a sterling public reputation and the, the sort of moral character that had earned that. And she found out she was pregnant. Mm. And at 19, she went into the clinic unbeknownst to her parents. She had the procedure done and she left. And for the next 30 years, mm. she tried to tell absolutely no one mm. until her son comes along and becomes this this firebrand activist, hearkening back memories she never wanted to deal with again. Wow. And it was in that moment that Stuff for Us changed a lot, and Voices for the Voiceless and the vision behind it really grew, and our connection uh, between Andrea being really passionate about fighting for the compatibility of motherhood and future, um, and me fighting for a world uh, filled with people with experiences on this issue. People hold it so personally, and that's why it's so political and charged and difficult to talk about. And trying to navigate that in a way that is healing to our culture mm. and constructive for the future of where we're going. So that's how, I, that's how we got started together. Interesting. And that brings us to where we are now. Wow. That is fantastic. So this isn't just some kind of like it's – a, it's a neat issue. This is personal. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, yeah. And as a man speaking on this issue, too, right. I will say there's no way in which it is, quote, unquote, right. neat, right? It, it, right. Is, yeah. it is something to navigate with extreme gentleness and compassion mm. and humility. Um, and that's, that's where we're at with it, really. right? Yeah. I would say his, his compassion and love and admiration for the women in his life mm-hmm. drives a lot of what he does. Mm. And so that's – I love that. We need – men and women speaking up about this because they need us to. Right, mm-hmm. right. We have to, and it's p- p- 
partly our response. We created a lot of the problem. <laughs> Last I checked. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Absolutely. It, yes. yeah. A lot about male responsibility needs to be brought into this equation and mm. we're caring and, and, and our caring and protection. Yeah. Mm. Good. That's good. Excellent. So why uh, you, 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 it was pol- very political for you and the issue obviously is politicized. Correct. So why is something that is te- personal become so political? I think that in itself is an explanation of, of why it has become political um, because there are, there are battles that are fought around this issue. And the things that become political in our society are not the things that we don't really care about. They're the things that are core to who we are and the experiences that, that are in our lives. And so that's what's driven it to be such a political issue. And what's so tragic about framing it as a political issue, as so many people in our churches and in our culture do, is that we miss out on the real solutions to this problem Mm. and the real things that we need to be doing in our communities. The real way that the world needs to change is not so much political in this moment as it is cultural, as what needs to happen in our workplaces and faith communities and schools Mm. and every arena in which she, the woman who faces an unplanned pregnancy, would walk into and experience shame or isolation. Those are the places we can change now. Mm. And the entire political focus of this issue, while that's an important part of it, it's just a small part of it. it. And we're being led to neglect the really important stuff. So give me an example, uh, like something in our culture that we could change or that w- we could help improve not, without being political. Give me like what comes to mind for maybe both mm. of you give an example. Yeah. Mm. There are so many examples. I'll start with one and then, <laughs> and then go for Jump it. You, you can add one. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we're really working on right now is centered around the issue of prenatal diagnosis. In the United States, two out of every three pregnancies that are prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome end in abortion. Mm-hmm. And the reason that rate is so high is that commonly when a woman goes into that doctor's office and is read the, the diagnosis of their child back to them, even if it was once an unplanned pregnancy, th- dreams are shattered. And they're shattered in a normal way because this is going to be different than you expected, but they're also shattered in a way that they don't have to be. The doctors are today, it's not every doctor and there are some good ones out there, but far and away what's common practice is for them to list the things your child will never do, the problems that you'll have, the expenses that will be in front of you for a very long time and the lifetime of care it will require without naming anything about the immense social and community resources that are available to you to make this happen. And what's, been, what's, what's happened is that a lot of parents are being led astray. They feel completely isolated and hopeless after that moment. Mm. And it drives them to just end the pregnancy and try mm. again instead of looking at their child as their child fighting for their child's innate human dignity Mm. and living the life they can live, which can be a great life with community support. Fantastic. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have in studio Josiah and Andrea Friedman, who are talking about their ministry, Voices for the Voiceless. Um, So what is the – you've taken a different messaging tone what what is the messaging that how are you approaching this debate not being political how are you approaching it i think what makes us a little bit unique is having spent 
honestly, so much time talking to people from all different sides of the issue. Um, I've learned that both sides are very well-meaning and that there is such a desire to care for women in the situation because we all recognize how hard it is. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. tough. Um, and what's interesting is um, I think we just disagree. I think where it gets foggy is we disagree on what that looks like. Um, I would say the pro-choice side believes that to love a woman is to liberate her from obstacles. It is to free her from the pain that she's experiencing. Mm. Um while I would say the pro-life side believes that to love a woman is to uh, not remove her from those obstacles, but to help her face those obstacles in community and to grow and create beauty from the mess. Mm-hmm. Because we are broken and we make messes right. um, and we strive as her community to really meet her in that moment. And I would say what's interesting about our approach is um, when we talk to people on this issue – we come up from a place of believing that they really love these women, mm-hmm. that they really love these children, and that there's just some misguided perspective on what is actually needed to care for and empower these mm. women. And so if you can transition the conversation from a combative who's right or wrong yeah. – to, or or their motives are evil. Yes. Right. They're, yes. They really want to impress, oppress women or they really want to, you know. Lie to them lie to or them. Yeah. manipulate. Except, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. I would say 99.9% of people who speak about this really want to care for these individuals and have a great deal of compassion. Um, and so – the goal here is to acknowledge that common ground and really link arms and work together mm. uh, to come up with solutions uh, simply by asking, what would that look like? What did you face that was really hard? What did your daughter face? What would have been helpful and empowering to her? Because mm. I want to learn how I can be that form of support, that helping mm. hand in that moment. So you're really asking with the intent of listening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Learning and letting their answer really refine the way that you advocate. Hmm. Taking on a curious perspective and really just believing that they have good intent. Well, that's a very much a peacemaking approach because yes. it's not. It takes off the stance of of fighting an enemy. Yes, <laughs> and it gets of listening and co trying to solve a common problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Li- well, fantastic! I love hearing that. Uh, so in the in the middle of the church, what message does the church need to hear on this issue? There are a few of them that I think are really important right mm-hmm. now. Um, we can't speak to all of right. them, <laughs> but we can speak to a few. Here's a couple things that we're really encouraging in our in our church communities. Um, the first is there's this basic biblical principle that needs to be understood if you're going to go into the church and really flesh out how you should talk about this issue. And it's this first it's this principle. We love because he first loved us. When we realize that as people who believe in the dignity of every human life, we are asking mothers to make a very difficult choice in a fearful situation, we're we're asking her to make a decision out of love. And what the Lord inherently understands about us and the way he's made us is that humans are incapable of making decisions out of love unless someone has shown it to them. Hmm. Okay. We've got to look at this issue in this way. We cannot expect anybody to make a decision out of love out of nowhere 
without having shown love to them in some really meaningful ways. And I think here's what that looks like. I think one way we show them love is we talk about this issue, Mm -hmm. the issue of unplanned pregnancy and abortion in our church community. And we talk about it often. And we talk about it because so many people in our churches have walked through abortion before. Mm -hmm. We talk about it because so many people in our churches will walk through this at some point in their lifetime. And when they do, let me tell you, we have talked to thousands of people about their personal experiences on this issue. And we know people remember what you said about this issue even way before this experience entered their lives. So if your church is silent about this issue and you don't say anything, or you just talk about how abortion is wrong, or you just fail to take any measure to say, hey, if this is something that you're experiencing, one way we show Jesus together as we stand alongside mm. you and we create a place where mothers flourish mm. and they can run after their futures and they are not a lost cause and their lives are not over. The church is a, is a place that makes a way. If you articulate that, it will profoundly affect yes. how a teenager mm-hmm. in your church uh, experiences this later, how um, – how somebody in your church who could be in their 20s or even 30s experiences this now in the next couple of years, it will profoundly change it if you can speak in that way. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And something that I would add to that is, you know, I, as a, as a perfectionist, <laughs> I want to show up and I want to do things perfectly. Right. And that puts a lot of pressure on you, especially if you've never spoken about this Yeah, before. I'm feeling judged right now. Right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> that is definitely not the goal. <laughs> no, not uh, at all. <laughs> um, but what I've learned from, from having heard the nitty-gritty stories of real people, what matters is that you show up. Mm-hmm. And if you show up imperfectly, if you show up and you make mistakes, if you show up and you don't say things the right way. Maybe you want to take a couple words back, push push back space right, on a few right. things. Um, what they're going to remember is that you showed up. Mm. Um, and that makes all of the difference. So to people listening who are just like, I don't know what the right way, like I don't know the right things to say. I want to be right. given step one, step two, step three. Um, I would say show. challenge yourself to just show, show. up. Mm. So that's mm. it's a huge way that you can make a difference. So I've heard this, a statistic from a pregnancy center in locally saying that 90 percent of w- women who are cons- if getting an unplanned pregnancy would never talk to anyone in their church. Mm. And 40 percent of women who went to this person's clinic were actually actively attending churches. Wow. And it, do you find that because we don't create a culture of – we create a culture of judgment or silence that people – there's just not a safe space to talk about this. I think we can spend a lot of time talking about the morals of things and we can get pretty heated about those morals. Right. And what we have to remember is that um, women and girls are watching. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting mad about a disagreement about a moral issue <laughs> – I'm not going to feel like I can come to you if I'm in that situation because I'm like, right. man, if they just got mad at this person for disagreeing on something, um, how in the world can I even confess to this, own up to this? Um, and just I think just removing that culture of shame is so important. It's absolutely important. Uh, so this has been so helpful. 
Any closing things that practically people can do to maybe get involved with Voices for the Voiceless, how they can hear more about you or learn more? So one of the ways that you can get involved in us right now, we're, we're working on a lot of different projects to change the culture in workplaces in the United mm-hmm. States, as in doctor's offices, as we already talked about, um, in schools and in faith communities. If you're part of one of those, and you probably are, and this is an issue that, that's on your heart, you feel convicted to say something, um, go online, voicesforthevoiceless.org or vftv.org, um, and go ahead and sign our Stand By Her pledge. You can mm. sign that. It's kind of a document that is really a basic this is what really matters on this. You can stand with us there. And if you sign that document, we'll get in touch with you and talk about all the opportunities we have for reaching your space with this message in a way that is winsome, that cares about mm. the dignity of every human life, mm. and that eliminates isolation in your space, creates a place where people can really be uh, vulnerable and make a decision out of love and not fear. That is fantastic. So Voices for the Voiceless, V. Say the website again. VFTV.org. And your TED, TED Talk is excellent. Josiah Friedman TED Talk. Well, you yes. can find it with Googling it. Absolutely. Yes. Well, this find has been an incredibly engaging and a, a, a helpful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Josiah and Andrea, for coming in. We appreciate you. Thanks so much, Thank Jonathan. you so much. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.